everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Inside College Admissions, a podcast presented by SCORE. I'm Erin Barnes, Content Marketing Manager for SCORE, and today we're joined again by Peter Van Buskirk, former Dean of Admission and Strategic Advisor to SCORE. Welcome, Peter. Good morning, Erin. Good to see you. Good to see you. Today we're going to be talking about how to build a balanced college list. We'll be talking first steps, because for students it can be hard to know when to start and how to start. And there are a lot of pitfalls that we hope that this conversation can provide students with tips on how to avoid. So Peter, with that being said, I'll let you uh, kick off our conversation with you know, how students can start building their college list. Well, thank you. The, the question of how and when is, is always paramount in the minds of students as they begin to approach the senior year. That the, the when is, is whenever you're ready. Typically, that would be the end of the junior year and the summer leading into the senior year is a really good time to, to begin looking earnestly at, at college possibilities. The how is, is perhaps probably where we're going to spend a little bit more time on this, but I think it's really important that, that we address both of those questions because many times in the college planning process, students fall back on what they, they think they know, uh, which would be the familiar, the, the schools that are close to them, the places that they see on television all the time, and, and the list starts there. And sometimes that works out, but there, there are other things to, to consider here that, that can end up putting students in, in a much better place with regard to having an actionable college list. So I think that if you're able to start now, we're midway through the summer prior to the senior year, you want to try to get out and do some window shopping. It's not too early, or I should say not too late, to imagine possibilities. Visit schools, large schools, small schools, research universities, liberal arts colleges, places in a city, places not in a city. And I say this because before you see any of these places, you tend to have stereotypical notions about them. You'll say, well, I don't want to go to a, a small school because I've been in a small high school all my life, or I don't want to go to a rural school because there's nothing to do. Um, and those stereotypical references can be very, very misleading and, and frankly, not accurate in terms of what those places are all about. So get out and see as many places as you can and take good notes about, about what you're experiencing along the way. But I, I would suggest that, that the next few weeks would be a really good time to try to get a sense of what's out there. You're not trying to find the perfect school in this window shopping exercise. You're, you're just you're trying to find out what is available to you. And having then seen different places, you can go back and focus on those that, that you like the most from, from those visits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no wrong time to start if you're ready, you know, if you exactly. want to spend some time during the summer to explore colleges, absolutely get a head start on that. Now, pandemic aside, Peter, I think for a lot of students, visiting every school that they're interested in isn't always a possibility. So how can students gain exposure to the schools of interest without physically being on that campus? Well, I think it's really important to understand that, that colleges and universities have a lot of information on their websites. And, and as you well know, SCORE provides a good mechanism for students to, to learn more about places that might fit their parameters. But uh, once you get to a college's website, don't stop at the homepage. A lot of times students will, will call up a college on, on Google and, and say, okay, well, it's in a location that I want. It's got the program that I want. It's on my list. Well, what you need to do is, is dig into that academic program a little bit more to find out if it's not only offering the program, but offering it in the way that's most feasible to the way you like to learn. 
which is really, really important here. So I think that that the the website, especially given what's happened with COVID over the last 18 months, colleges have done an awful lot with their websites to provide information and to make them more interactive mm-hmm. for students as they're they're trying to, to learn more about them. So what specific pieces of information and tidbits should students be looking to gain as they are exploring colleges? Well, we've talked in other podcasts about fit, and I'll just real quickly mention that again. You want to make sure that the, the, the places you're looking for ha- or looking at have the academic programs that you want to study. And if you aren't quite sure what you want to do, don't sweat it. You're fine. But make sure you're looking at places then that will give you the opportunity to explore, to, to, to discover your interests while you're in college. Look for places that, that ha- look for evidence that colleges will have a style of instruction that is commensurate with the way you like to learn. Really big deal because a lot of times students will put themselves into institutions where the, the style of instruction is completely inconsistent with <laughs> the way they like to engage. So it's, they feel like they're fish out of water. They want to find places that will challenge them appropriately. They want to find places that will feel like home. Uh, they want to feel, find places that will value them for what they have to offer. I mean, these are elements of fit that are, are really important to students, uh, should be important to students as they try to make some sense out of, of what's out there. You might find that, that that a college might have something that you'd like to study, but may not necessarily have the, the style of instruction that is consistent with what you want, or may not have this sense of community that, that is going to feel right for you. So these are things that, that you need to keep your antennae up about and be careful not to kind of brush things off and say, well, I, I'm not going to worry so much about the style of instruction because it's, it's a place that uh, is in a location that I like, or my friends go there. That's why I think it's important for us to, to take a look at the, keep in mind the hierarchy of importance as students uh, begin to, to figure out what is most important to them as, as they consider colleges. We've talked a lot about the concept of fit in prior podcast conversations and prior blog articles. And Peter, you've provided a lot of great information about finding your fit and all of those items that you just touched on briefly. And just for all of our listeners here, I want to call out that I'll provide some specific links to Peter's advice on finding your college fit in the show notes. And I also want to jump ahead to the hierarchy of importance that you just mentioned. Where and when does the hierarchy of importance come into play? And can can you uh, break that down a little further for our students? Thank you. Yeah. As as you make decisions about anything in life, you'll have a variety of of variables that influence your decision-making. And and you need to understand how important each variable is to that decision-making process. Uh, In the hierarchy of importance, there can be a a level of essential importance. It's must have. There can be a level of very important and there can be a a level of would be nice. So as, as you think about what's important to you in a college, slot the answers to those questions that you ask yourself into the, you know, the hierarchy of importance. For example, you find yourself talking about wanting to be at a place that has a really big time athletic program. Is that essential to your four years of college? Is it very important or would it be nice? And, you know, if it's absolutely essential, okay, you, you want to let that be one of your guys. But for many people, when you, when you look at all of the, the factors you're considering here, it might fall into the category of would be nice. What do you think would be uh, among the essentials for you as you're considering four years of college? I suspect your parents would want you to be considering educational things among the, the most important factors here. So keep that in mind as, as you begin to analyze 
and the different variables that are influencing your thought process. Be careful not to allow the would-be nice factors to drive your decision-making. Keep focused on those things that are most essential, the things that, that your family's going to be making a significant investment in as you begin your four years of college. It's great advice. So as students begin to identify that hierarchy of importance and I identify what items are must-have, nice-to-have, maybe not needed, Mm-hmm. Building a college list can be very exciting, right? And you can start to very easily start to build a list that becomes very large. Mm-hmm. So do you have a recommendation for students as to a number and a limit on, on how they can keep their list manageable? What is the perfect number? Well, that's a really good question, Aaron. And I think that that number will change as the deliberations go on early in the window shopping early in the, the list building, it's, it's possible that the list could grow as, as you consider many different possibilities, could grow to 20 or more schools. Uh, that doesn't mean you plan to apply to 20 or more schools, but, but you're allowing yourself to consider them. And again, the, the more you can put onto your radar screen in terms of information about what's out there, the easier it's gonna be for you to begin making discriminations that are, are important for you in finding fit. So I think at, at the outset with, with the window shopping, again, you're not making final decisions, your list could grow to well beyond 20 schools. As you get to the end of the summer though, the objective should be to reach a list of eight schools by the time your senior year starts. Eight, uh, some people cringe at that notion because they think that's, that's not enough for me. Well, eight, if you do a good job on those applications, it's gonna be a lot of work. If you care about putting together applications that are going to be fully representative of who you are and will give you the best chance to be competitive in the admission process, doing a good job with eight applications will feel like another advanced placement class on top of everything else in your senior year. You add more to that list of eight, add another AP class. It's it's going to be a lot of work. So you want to protect yourself, but also realize that adding more colleges to your list doesn't give you a better chance of getting into any one of them. Uh, so I think it's good. You need to be very thoughtful about the way you begin to break that list down, but, but focus on coming to eight. And they, these are going to be the places that, that have more, think about the hierarchy of importance, have, have more of the must-haves for you than, than otherwise. I, I suggest that you try to have this accomplished by the end of uh, the summer going into your senior year of high school. So just as a high level overview for all the students there, let your list grow, have fun exploring colleges over the summer, but as the summer comes to a close and you make your way into your senior year, you should look to narrow your list mm-hmm. and have a list of no greater than eight colleges that you are going to apply to. Yeah, and I say that because it's real tempting having seen a lot of places to say, well, I'm just going to add it to my list because I, how do I know if I can get in if I, if I don't apply? You know, so I'm, I'm, I add it here, add it there. And all of a sudden, uh, you're, you're no longer focused on what makes sense to you. It, it's becoming, you're, you're kind of gaming the process if you allow the list to get too long. But I think eight's a good number. You can do it with fewer than eight. But uh, I would be very careful to, to, to have the discipline to manage it at eight. Mm-hmm. So come fall, October, November timeframe, if you are a student who is possibly considering early applications, where do early decision and early application come into the picture? When do they come into the picture, I should say? Well, that's a great question. And I'll preface my remark by saying too often families will say at, 
at, at some point in the application process, maybe the middle of the summer or even prior to the start of the senior year, we need to find an early decision school. Uh, no, it would be nice if you find an early decision school, but you should not be looking for that. Shouldn't be strategizing early decision. Now, keep in mind, early decision is an opportunity that many colleges and universities provide to students that enables them to declare their true love, if you will. In other words, if, if the institution admits the student, the student is committed to enroll. The student will withdraw all other applications and will, will attend that institution. And it's a pretty sweet deal because frankly, early decision can statistically give you a better chance of admission at, at most selective schools around the country. And that's why people will say, we've, we've got to find that early decision place. My suggestion is, is to look at it differently. If you're, if you're being thorough in your assessment of institutions and you find yourself then at the end of the summer prior to the senior year, narrowing down to eight schools and one of them continues to emerge as an absolute first choice. I mean, your, your research, your visits, everything that you've done so far keeps telling you that this is it. This is the place. And, and it might be a place that you hadn't imagined originally. Maybe it's a place that's always been your dream school. But given sort of a fair competition among all those places that, that you've visited so far, if one emerges as an absolute first choice, you just can't sleep at night because you know you want to be there, then early decision can make sense. And, and then you can move forward with an early decision application. Just to expand upon that a little bit, do you have any practical tips for students to help them arrive at a sense of an absolute first choice for their early decision application? Sure. And, and when we're talking about early decision, we have to get beyond the car sticker element here, beyond the notion of it's top rank, highly prestigious place. It's got to be a place that makes sense to you. And then we go back to all of the elements of fit that we've talked about. They, it, it needs to be a place that, that you will be able to attend with great confidence that it's going to work out for you, not, not that it's going to give you the most impressive car sticker. So I strongly suggest that before you apply early decision, number one, you return to that campus for an overnight visit. Uh, and many institutions provide the opportunity for students to have that kind of 24-hour immersive visit in the fall of the senior year. Uh, you, you call the admission office and, and you, you can make the arrangements there, or maybe you have a friend who attends that institution and you can privately make your own arrangements, but you want to stay overnight, go to classes, talk to students, talk to professors, eat the food in the dining hall, but have that immersive experience. Now, the one caution I would offer is don't do that on a Friday or Saturday night. I mean, you know what the weekends are going to be like pretty much anywhere you go. Would you want to go Sunday to Thursday so that you get a sense of what the academic flow of that institution is like as well? If you come home from that immersive visit at your potential first choice school, great. And you're feeling like, okay, that was good. You're not done. Because what I'd like to challenge you to do is replicate that experience at your other top choice, maybe your second choice school. Full immersion, stay overnight, go to classes, talk to students, professors, the whole deal. And if you come home from that second visit and you're saying to your parents, you know, I, I like this about college A and I like that about college B, you're probably not ready to apply early decision because you're not resolute in your determination to commit yourself to, to one of those institutions. But if you come back from that second visit and you're saying, you know, uh, it was fun, but college A is, is still where it's at for me, uh, then early decision is something that you should be able to, to move forward with. But I think you, you need to test the passion, make sure that, that you give the opportunity, give yourself the opportunity to uh, challenge any assumptions that you might have, uh, good or bad, about the schools that, that are at the very top of your list. So it sounds like applying ED needs to 
really feel like a match made in heaven, so to speak, that's not challenged by any other feelings in your gut. Absolutely. And when you apply early decision, you're making a commitment. No, it's not a legal commitment, but it's a moral and ethical commitment. You're saying to the institution, there are no contingent factors that could possibly come up that will change my mind. No, no money issues, no uh, family issues, everything. We've dealt with it all. Uh, we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. That being said, should students use ED to try to leverage admission to the most selective colleges on their list? I'd strongly suggest that students not do that. And, and this is, I, I talked a minute ago about gaming the process. Sometimes students will say, well, we've got this one early decision chit. We're going to use it on the most selective school to try to get in. Well, if the most selective school happens to be your absolute first choice by all other measures, sure, go for it. But if, if you've got an absolute first choice school on the one hand, but there's this sense of, well, how will I know if I can get into Harvard, Yale, or Princeton if I don't apply there? Maybe I'll apply early decision there. You're wasting it. You're mm-hmm. wasting it because you're not, you're not likely to have an advantage at the most selective school simply because they are that highly selective. You might as well focus your energies, your emotional energies on that place that you care about most. That is your absolute first choice. So if you are applying ED, what is the best strategy for submitting other non-ED applications? Well, it's really important that you not forsake those other non-ED applications. Mm -hmm. Most early decision deadlines will be in uh, November, November 1st, November 15th for a round one of early decision. And frankly, I suggest that while you're in application mode, you complete the other applications to colleges on your list at that time. You don't have to submit them all at the same time, but you might as well have them at the ready. Uh, If things don't work out with your early decision school, you're all set. You can send them in and and there's no time lost. I think a mistake that students make sometimes is that they apply early decision to one school and and they get that application all set to go by the end of October. It's sent in by November 1st, and then they kind of take back, uh, kick back and and exhale and, and wait Finally, December 15th rolls around. They learn that they've not been admitted to that early decision school. And then there's a panic. Okay, I've got to get my other applications ready. Well, yeah. And, and not only is, is that going to be a tight turnaround time for you, because many deadlines then for regular decision will be January 1st, but you're, you're going to be trying to tackle all of that application preparation during the holiday season. Uh, so it just gets a, really muddled uh, in terms of uh, students' ability to do a good job. So you have to plan effectively here to, to try to get as much of the work done when you can and, and when you can do a good job with it. Peter, do you have any final tips for students and parents listening in about college list development? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to suggest that in thinking about eight, that there's a way to manage that list too. I, I strongly suggest that among the eight, you have no more than two institutions where the probability of admission for the student is 40% or less. Harder to get into for that student, in other words. You should have at least two where the probability of admission for the student is 60% or greater. And then the balance of the schools on the list should be between 40 and 60% probability. Now, much like managing a stock portfolio where you want to manage risk uh, with stocks, you want to manage risk here with regard to admission probabilities. Too often, 
even with a list of eight, many families will load that list up with schools that have probabilities of admission for the student of 40% or less. Again, that does not give the student a better chance of getting into any one of those places. There's not an additive probability here. So if, if you feel a need to apply to really highly selective schools, uh, limit the number to two if possible. And, and make sure that you have, uh, at the other end of, of the spectrum, you have two where there's a strong likelihood of getting in. And then most of the places that you're gonna consider will be in the middle. If you manage, if you have the discipline to manage your college list in this manner, you're going to have happy outcomes. You're gonna have good options and at the end of this process. Life is about balance, so they say, right? So uh, yeah. yeah, make sure you mirror that same sentiment in your college list development and create a balanced college list, not just one that is full of, of exciting opportunities, but one that is balanced and, and, and matches your own abilities. As well. and, and, and that means when you when you achieve that balance, and I love that the, the reference there, uh, you're demonstrating that you have some degree of control over your own thought process and your own planning mm -hmm. process. Uh, otherwise, when when you just allow the list to grow and, and it, it, there's a randomness to, to schools being added for whatever reason, uh, you've lost control and you get what you get. Mm -hmm. College list development. Yeah. So to, to summarize for those listening in today, now's the time to start. If you're ready, there's no wrong time to start. Summer's a great time to start exploring and searching and um, build your list as large as you want it to be. Focus on fit. Think about your own individual hierarchy of importance. Consider whether early applications are right for you. And then come fall time, you should be in a position where you have a balanced list of eight colleges that you are prepared to apply to with confidence. Absolutely. And again, the resources that SCORE has to offer are tremendous in terms of allowing students to, to do the research and come to that list with a high degree of confidence. So I, I think it's a great combination that we've got here. Absolutely. I encourage all SCORE students to be active on the platform over the summer. We have a very new, exciting mobile app that you can use if you're uh, sitting on the beach or relaxing at home and just want to explore a little bit and learn a little bit more about colleges that might interest you. Um, Peter, as usual, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Inside College Admissions, a podcast presented by SCORE. This is a topic that I know is soon to be top of mind for many of our students and parents. I appreciate you taking some time to provide some insight. My pleasure, anytime. If you want to learn more about SCORE, you can go to score.com. That's S-C-O-I-R.com. We'll link to that in our show notes and be sure to follow us on Instagram at SCORE Inc. That concludes our conversation for today. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. Thanks so much for listening.